0: Today's episode of Grad School Confessional is brought to you by Cupid. Cupid, like the bright new master student in your lab, suspiciously young, overly enthusiastic, and still figuring out how to use their equipment. You're listening to Grad School Confessional, a podcast that explores the good, bad, and ugly of graduate school directly from graduate students themselves. I'm your host, Dr. Yoa From awkward supervisor interactions, to reviewer 2 horror stories, to convincing your parents why grad school was a good idea, we read out the confessions of graduate students from all over and chat about the realities of pursuing higher education. I'd like to welcome back my co-host and the person most likely to be my wife, Anna. Anna's a PhD candidate studying digital health, a field where researchers ask, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me.
1: Don't hurt me? No more. I want to hurt you.
0: Well, speaking of hurt, today's episode is all about dating in grad school and how it may or may not be possible. So what are some notable experiences that you have of your friends dating in grad school or you dating in grad school?
1: Hmm. Nothing comes to mind. (laughs)
0: Nothing that stands out in particular. Nothing.
1: No, not really. No,
0: no, no, no notable uh, uh, esteemed bachelors that you might have met in a quantitative research methods class. I mean, not
1: esteemed bachelors.
0: Ooh, that one hurts, actually. (laughs) Um, So for our viewers, or I guess our listeners that don't know, Anna and I met in, well, I guess in your master's and in my PhD, in a quantitative research methods class.
1: Through no fault of my own.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think it was kind of a cute story. I sat in front of you, In the first day, because a friend that we both knew sat across the aisle and didn't want to make room for me to sit next to him. And so I sat... In his
1: defense, he's quite big.
0: He's quite large. (laughs) And, And so, yeah, I just kind of like hung out in front of you and was trying to be all cool. And I don't know, clearly it worked.
1: You fell asleep every single class.
0: It was a quantitative research methods class. Of course I fell asleep every class.
1: Oh, you fell asleep because it was after lunch.
0: That's true. Although, to be honest, you didn't help either. I remember you would bring in like these muffins or brownies and you'd like pull the whole, mm, I brought too much. Do you want this one? And me just being like the starving grad student, I would be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cookie monster. <laughs> and then you <laughs> fall asleep. Yeah. And then I would fall asleep because of it. So, you know, here we are. True love. <laughs> but before, you know, before I met you, I actually did see a couple of girls in my master's. <gasps> I know thought, scandalous. I thought
1: you were saving yourself for me.
0: <laughs> you know, in a manner of speaking, I suppose, I never married any of them, so. That I know of. <laughs> that you know of. <laughs> There's some illegitimate children running around. No, I'm kidding. They're not running. Not. No. Uh, no, I've definitely had a couple of interesting experiences. I think when you're dating in grad school, one of the hard things is that you're on campus right and this is before covid so everyone's walking around maskless right but the student population is very much more undergrad focused right like you've got like 80% undergrads 20% grad sure, students sure sure yeah and so like the people your age that you can be like hey you know we should get together it's you know you're already kind of like trying to play the odds a bit and then you know you have to play the the tricky thing of am I potentially going to TAU slash ta? do I TAU right now sort of thing? Or like, do I know you and you know someone who I TA? You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, graduate school is very incestuous. My concern dating was like, well, okay, first of all, I came into graduate school being very explicit about wanting to have a grad school boyfriend because I thought it would be super cool to meet up and get coffee and talk about grad school things.
0: It was super cool.
1: It was super cool, <laughs> except it was just us sitting there groaning about how research was garbage.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and then the second one was like, well, I don't want to date somebody who's doing a master's because most master students were like 22. <laughs> I was 25. Accidentally, I ended up dating somebody.
0: Okay, I'm not that much younger. younger. <laughs> right place, right time. That's what I'm going to say.
1: Okay. But my second concern was I didn't want to date somebody who was too far ahead of me in graduate school because mm-hmm. they would graduate way earlier and feel superior about themselves because they got a doctorate.
0: Right.
1: Unfortunately, <laughs> that's exactly what happened.
0: Okay. I don't feel superior. I'm pretty sure that's just something that you come up with.
1: <laughs> anyway. Anyway.
0: Anyway. Well, our stories today definitely highlight the struggles of being a grad student, trying to juggle a relationship and a degree, as well as the difficulties that come with being uh, single and ready to mingle. Our first story comes from a grad student who recounts a relationship they had where ideological differences between them and their partner led to some intense results. They write, I moved to a small town, almost sight unseen, to complete my master's. I met someone on a dating app and we hit it off. He was in school at the local college, so we bonded over the perpetual student life and athletics. Relatively early on, I learned that he had some conservative viewpoints, but after six or seven months, it became clear that he was really conservative, e.g. MAGA, Trump, Fox News every day. He was super skeptical of academia and researchers and would tell me that all researchers were corrupt and unethical. When I would point out that he was currently dating a researcher, He would say, oh, but you're different. This wore me down to the point that I had serious imposter syndrome and felt like my future was not in academia, despite encouragement from my committee to pursue a PhD. The relationship ended with him having a mental health crisis that involved the police. I decided that I needed to move back home for a fresh start and was telling my PI about my decision when the police called and asked for a statement. When I got off the phone, My PI then told me about a time she asked her abnormal psych prof for dating advice while she was in her undergrad. My PI is one of those hot and cold profs where you're never 100% sure where you're going to get. Although I had worked for them for a while at this point, it was very weird to lay the whole story out in front of them, but now I get a chuckle every time I think about their dating story, and I'm currently in a PhD program. Imagine
1: getting imposter syndrome from, like, a MAGA supporter.
0: <laughs> I mean, it could it could happen to you, not not you specifically. It,
1: it literally can't unless you're about to confess something.
0: <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Um, but I think it's it kind of highlights the influence that your partner can really have on you, right? Like mm-hmm. this person was clearly, by all indicators, doing well in their graduate degree, and the person they were with was like, "Yeah, but what you're doing is like not ethical, or it's like a lie." And
1: I. I struggle to understand how this person can even, like, position most research as unethical given how much ethics it goes through. Oh, my
0: gosh. Yeah. If anything, I feel like research is the opposite. It's, like, incredibly slow as compared to, you know, what it could be. You know what I mean? Like, we go through ethics. We go through this research, like, conception process. We have to go through recruitment. Like, if we want it to be really unethical, I've always thought we would just pay people to do our study. Or better, yeah, we just make up data. Like, why bother going through?
1: We already pay people to do our study. Yeah, that's yeah, called yeah compensation. but like, like, to a
0: point, to a point. That's more just like a compensation for your time. I mean, like, I'll give you two hundred bucks to do my study. You know, like that's 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 financial bribery. Still, basically,
1: I always. <laughs> it makes me think of those like psych studies where they got people to like electrocute each other, and I'm just like, man. <laughs> I did my PhD in the wrong you know how some people are like I was born in the wrong era yeah and I'm like I started doing research in the wrong era <laughs>
0: like, I think not to shock some people
1: okay, I, I, I feel like psych departments up till like the early 90s were a bunch of white dudes sitting around being like I bet we can get them to shock
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh and then, then someone just invented the ethics board and you're like oh you're no fun damn it yeah. <laughs>
1: Make research great again.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um. But it's also funny though too, because you know I can understand to an extent there are researchers that are kind of bad and corrupt. Like do you remember the Andrew Wakefield study, the the autism one, where yeah. basically you know the whole paper that he had put out was saying that you know children who were given the MMR vaccine were um, more likely to demonstrate signs of autism at, you know, this certain age. But then the whole thing ended up being like, you know, found out to be very corrupt because he got money from, you know, uh, I think a competing vaccine company or something like that. And then he had falsified data. Yeah. 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 And then, you know, there were so many replication studies that were like, no, this is like BS.
1: Also, his sample size was like, (laughs) there was just, there were so many issues. Yeah, Yeah. yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
0: But it happens, right? And then there's a thing you were, you were telling me about this the other day. It's like zombie trials?
1: Yeah. I, I can't. I don't remember, <laughs> okay. man. All right. For the record, I'm writing my thesis, so my brain is like a shriveled up walnut and tears.
0: <laughs> walnut and tears. Well, I, briefly, what I remember about it, and I would highly recommend looking this up, is essentially where a lot of trials um, will falsify all of their data. They'll just come out with a data set that they collected, quote unquote, and they'll just publish it. And then I won't actually ever run the trial. Um,
1: Yeah, like as long as it's internally coherent.
0: Yeah, and I mean, there is something to be said. Like, we're getting a little bit off track here, but there is something to be said about the fact that we don't really vet data that way. You know, we can't really say, like, oh, is this really what they said?
1: Okay, but you also, like, you literally can't because you can even falsify consent forms. Like, how far back do you need to go? Yeah. And this is a testament that the romance and our marriage is alive and well because we just tangentially start talking about zombie drives. <laughs> <laughs> True love. True love.
0: Would you ever falsify your consent form for this? I don't, I don't know what I'm going with. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with.
1: So, so have you ever gotten dating advice from your supervisor?
0: Interesting. I remember telling them that I was going to like, you know, I was getting married and I, I can't remember if I was given any actual advice. I feel like if I was given advice though. Oh, you know what? I was, I was, it was that those moments at home where you're spending time with your partner or, you know, your kids, if that, that's a big thing, just in their case scenario it was, but if you were when you're spending time there, Don't just be like, oh, I could be working or thinking that like, oh, this is I'm I could be actually doing something else to work like that's not what's going to bring you fulfillment at the end of the day. It's going to be spending time with your person.
1: And you took that advice to heart.
0: Oh, shut up. (laughs) I I totally spend time with you. We're spending time right now. (laughs) (laughs) See, alive and well. (laughs) What about you? What do you think your supervisor would say?
1: Hmm. I'm not sure.
0: Love is dead. (laughs) Married. <laughs> oh my
1: gosh! No, no, they wouldn't say that. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I do appreciate the fact that my supervisor has never like
0: taken an interest in your personal life. <laughs> yeah.
1: No. For, it it really helped me maintain that complete separation of personal and professional that I have come to love.
0: <laughs> that's fair. I guess that's fair. It's
1: <laughs> just like uh. I'm. I am pretty certain that now into more than five years of being together and more than one year of being married, they still have no idea what your name is, and I want to keep it that way.
0: That's fair. That's fair. I, you know, Half the time, I barely remember what my name is. <laughs> <laughs> I have to write it down in the script. <laughs> oh. Our next confession is from a former grad student who outlines the difficulties in being in a relationship with another grad student. They write, When I think of my experience dating in grad school, and being in a romantic relationship with another graduate student while completing my PhD, one of the most significant areas for us to navigate as a couple was finding a work-life balance as a couple and as individuals. Finding this balance as a person seems impossible most days for many people. Between juggling jobs like TA ships and student government and finding time to research and write a dissertation, it's easy to let the window of personal time get narrower and narrower as deadlines and other commitments pile up. Now, multiply this process by two, and the Venn diagram of quote-unquote us time can look awfully small if both partners don't deliberately make room for quality time. Especially once the pandemic hit and we were at home 24-7 under lockdown for months at a time, it was too easy to justify long work nights because quote-unquote we're seeing each other all the time, so working beside each other counts. And while working beside your partner who gets it and commiserating with them about grad school is nice and has its perks, you don't want that to define the entirety of your relationship. My partner and I had to fight to make time in both of our schedules for us time outside of academia or other obligations. We instituted a no-phone rule while watching movies or a TV series in the evening to both be present with each other. We started playing board games and card games and we came up with fun, quote unquote, at home date night ideas for the weekend. Journeying through grad school with someone you are dating can be a beautiful experience of shared passion, intellectual curiosity, and inspiring in ways you cannot imagine. It's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me, but it's also tricky to navigate. Like when you've decided to shut off your academic mind and unwind, but your partner is hoping you can review just one more paragraph before they send away a draft, or you go on a walk together And one of you starts to think out loud about your next chapter or article, while the other just wants to look at the beautiful houses and pet cute dogs. Boundaries, honest transparency, and open communication are vital for navigating dating in grad school. But if you can manage that, then it could be the greatest thing that's ever happened to you too. I feel like we'd never stop talking about work. Like, not in a bad way, but like...
1: No, we don't. But we're also like... So, okay... I think there's different scenarios because there's people who are like both in graduate school, but their research and their work is inherently different. We work on so many projects together. I think this is the first time because I have to like forcefully remove myself from active research for the next like month or two to finish my thesis that we're not working on research Mm -hmm. together. And so like we're huge nerds. We always talk about the project that we're working on, yeah, and it affects both of us. So it's like kind of okay. Is this just Stockholm syndrome?
0: <laughs> I think no. I think you're right in the sense that we do enjoy talking about it. But I think this person writes what they write is also totally valid, where, you know, we have had conversations recently where we've had to set boundaries because, you know, even when we're just doing things together that are unrelated to academia or whatever, it's hard not to think about the work you're doing, especially you with your thesis right now, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're always thinking about it in some form or another, whether it's actually productive or just like, ah, you know?
1: It's like 90% ah and yeah. 10% actual work.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like I, I totally get it that being present, even just on your own is hard, but then, you know, with someone else, it can be difficult too. The pandemic, I feel also has definitely thrown a lot of people out of whack here. Because for me, it was the physical uh, act of going to campus removed me from the me. work, from like my life. <laughs> removed me, yeah. <laughs> removed the you from... <laughs> so when I was at work, it was like easy. I could just focus. There was nothing else going on. And then when I came home, it was like, okay, I'm, I'm done. But now it's like, well...
1: I'm never done.
0: Yeah. We converted this office into, or this bedroom into an office, and then... We also have, like, three other desks in this house where we can work at. Every surface can be a work surface. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: like, <laughs> what's what are some cute at-home date night ideas? See, where other married couples are like, we have a goal to have sex on every surface in the house. We're like, we want to write a paper on every surface <laughs> in the house. Like, I Maybe have, not
0: the toilet, but, like, I get what you're saying.
1: <laughs> like, I have checked my email and written emails or done revisions while... Making noodles on the stove and just holding my laptop in my arm.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, probably not the safest thing. I'm pretty sure, like, specifically in home ec classes, they're like, don't do that.
1: Yeah, probably. But do we actually have fun at-home date night ideas?
0: That's an interesting question. Um,
1: Cleaning up dog vomit is not one.
0: Yeah, no, that's neither fun nor date. Nor really an idea. It really just... It's it's just parenting. just happens. Um, I don't know. ok. So like thinking about this,
1: I think the f- my favorite thing that we've done was watch Planet Earth and actively comment on everything,
0: oh, yeah, yeah, that was fun. That was fun.
1: That was like the best
0: <laughs> And then, I don't know. Like, I like the idea of I think we've had conversations too, about when we're watching stuff, not being on our phones, not you know being distracted and actually like enjoying the same guess, content together. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's amazing because with technology, you can be doing something completely different. Like yeah. we are not, we're both watching the same movie, but we're not both watching the same movie, you know?
0: Yeah. Like how many screens can you put in front of the other screen? That's just like phone, iPad, TV. And then like you'll get Google Glass, like eye contact or something. You'll just be like, how many screens? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I also think that instrumentally having a partner in grad school can be really helpful. Like, for example, you know, me being a couple years ahead of you has been really good, I think, in terms of showing you what not to do (laughs) in grad school.
1: It's been helpful. It's been helpful.
0: Do as I say, not as I do.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But also, I like totally changed my mind on the whole. I shouldn't have dated somebody who was two years ahead of me in their PhD. Mm -hmm. Because now that I think that you and I could have been writing both of our doctoral dissertations at the same time. (laughs) I think we would have just shriveled up and died. (laughs)
0: Yeah, we would have like probably gotten divorced or something.
1: Yes. (laughs) There's there's no argument like, yes, we would have gotten divorced.
0: (laughs) So I guess in a way I'm glad that, you know, I was able to finish up and kind of be like, don't do what I did. Don't try and write your thesis in three months.
1: Don't write your thesis during a global pandemic.
0: Well, that's kind of out of your control, but.
1: Both of us have written our dissertations during a global pandemic. You'll probably defend virtually. (gasps) Friend.
0: And then you can... (laughs) Oh, Anyway, our last story is written by a master's student who describes the difficulties in trying to date during the pandemic and one date that they wanted to Zoom away from. They write, Dating in grad school itself is rather limited compared to dating in your undergrad. There are fewer parties with fewer people at those parties, and at those small parties with those limited people, it seemed like I already knew everyone and had already labeled them as undateable. As such, the only way to meet novel individuals is in class. However, in the pandemic, flirting in Zoom is an art that I have yet to master, pun intended. However, there was one girl in one of my classes that I was able to hit it off with rather well. We got to know each other in the discussion portion of the class that Zoom University now offers, In the breakout rooms, we would show each other what I like to call polite attention, a mixture of on-screen camera eye contact and shallow head bobs. Needless to say, I scored a date after we exchanged numbers to further discuss the material. That being said, I was unprepared for the in-person date. It was as if I was interviewing someone for a part-time Netflix and chiller. On the first date, she brought up some third and fifth date topics that were rather heavy. Both of those would not have been so bad if I had been able to get a word in edgewise. My role of polite attention had carried over from Zoom to reality, and the head bobs and eye contact were simply not what I was looking to offer. The real-life interaction sobered me up to what kind of person I was dating, and after that date, we only ever saw each other over Zoom again. Yeah, I I feel like the pandemic has really kind of thrown out a lot of social stuff. Like it's, I feel like we've got to practice again. Everyone's going to have to, like... Once it's all over, I
1: need to be rehabilitated. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. exactly, exactly.
1: They're like, "Ma'am, what are you trying to click?" I'm like, "It's not, it's not beauty." They can still hear me.
0: <laughs> How can, can I just can you just talk at two times speed, please? <laughs> can I two times speed through this date? <laughs> um, I think one of the other things too that like works with Zoom class that's nice, but doesn't work with like these now in person lectures that you you can go to is people are wearing masks.
1: What? sorry you just did the like figure quotations of like these in-person lectures it's like
0: <laughs> how dare they like
1: a lecture
0: yeah oh yeah that's like weird a to regular... me.
1: it's
0: a regular lecture but you know people are wearing masks now and so like you only get to evaluate how like good-looking a person is based on the top half of their face.
1: And sometimes they don't match.
0: Yo, sometimes they do not match.
1: Okay, so that's why I feel like taking off your mask when you like exit a store or something is like the pandemic version of whipping off your motorcycle helmet oh, and yeah, letting your yeah, hair yeah. flow. You're just like, I'm actually hot.
0: <laughs> and just like do a little head twirl.
1: <laughs> your mask just flies <laughs> Save the, the turtles! turtles.
0: <laughs> that's one of the difficult things about dating now during the pandemic, not just in grad school, because you're like, you don't know what someone's all about, you know, and you're like, do I really want to get COVID on a first date, right? Like if that's what you're in or, you know, if you have it, then like, you're kind of stuck. Do I
1: want to give it on the first date?
0: (laughs) It's only fair.
1: (laughs) It's only fair.
0: Yeah. I actually don't know um, if I would be able to tell if anyone in like a Zoom class would be hot or not. Like, I'm literally just looking at myself the entire time.
1: Who's a pretty bird?
0: <laughs> Literally, like I just looking at myself. Also, I realized this the other day. And I didn't know this was a thing. You know how in Zoom you can mirror your video so that like it works better. Like you can kind of see yourself how you would see yourself. Uh huh. It doesn't mirror your video on other people's thing. So other people's computers see you as your unmirrored self, your unmirrored uglier self.
1: <laughs> yeah, I never do that. I don't. You need- don't
0: mirror your video.
1: I don't want to ruin my day.
0: No, you, mirroring your video is how you see yourself in the mirror. Like, so it's what you see as being Versus yourself.
1: Versus if I didn't do it, it's how other people see me? Yeah. Oh, I am a pretty bird. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
0: <laughs> I could have told you that. Yeah. Um, okay, so speaking of filler words, though, I, th- I think I know what this person's talking about, where they're like polite attention, head nods. It's like, like just... Talk to me about something.
1: Like, I, I really don't want to.
0: <laughs> it's not going to work for this podcast, man. Um, but it's just kind of like the whole like, oh, yeah. No, that's crazy. Really? No kidding. They said that, eh? That's wild. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just that it doesn't, you're not saying anything, but you're still kind of contributing.
1: It's weird that the other person didn't pick up on it.
0: I legitimately think some people are just like, so deprived for social interaction these days it's just like I gotta get it all out now okay so I
1: feel like maybe don't hold it against that person they're like (laughs) they're feral they're an animal they don't know how to function in a society anymore all they can do is bake sourdough bread
0: yeah that's funny I
1: brought this for you (laughs) it's a loaf you're like thank you I already have seven
0: yeah but you're also gluten intolerant and so that person obviously wouldn't know you
1: yeah also I'm married (laughs) So if they decided to bring
0: anything hey man, to a date... all I'm saying is just because there's a goalie doesn't mean you can't score.
1: Only if you're good. It's true. The goalie is sleeping on the job though. <laughs> Every day from noon to one thirty.
0: Okay, let's not advertise that. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Dating and romantic relationships are undoubtedly important, but when combined with the stress and demands of grad school, a partner... Can be both a welcome blessing of relief and a curse of interpersonal conflict. Combined with a global pandemic, and you would be hard pressed to want to date at all. You've been listening to Grad School Confessional. I'm Dr. Yoa Sway. Thanks again to my co-host Anna. So, Anna, who's been uh, your favorite person to date since you've been in grad school?
1: Hmm.
0: Haven't you only dated me?
1: I'm thinking.
0: <sighs> if you enjoyed the show. Leave us a review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or iTunes so that others can benefit from our mediocre advice. Please also share us with your social network, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and follow us on Twitter at gradconfessing. And if you have a confession you'd like to make, please use the anonymous link in the description or email thegradschoolconfessional at gmail.com. We're waiting for your funny, interesting, or controversial confessions. Until next time, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Principal Investigator, Amen. What is love?
1: Baby, don't hurt me. We're getting a divorce. Don't hurt me.